Now, the Jen Charlton Show on 930 WFMD and WFMD.com. Telling it like it is with your host, Jen Charlton. Good morning and welcome everybody to the Jen Charlton Show. It is so great to have you guys with us today. And, you know, we are in a crisis again with regard to our financial stability as a nation. And one of the things that's so difficult to process, it's a challenge we have is we're a generous nation. We've, in the past, given more than any other nations, we've always been very generous to help third world countries and try to bring water and electricity or, you know, build up infrastructures and help nations when they are in decline or trouble. And we've kind of been U.S. to the rescue. But right now, who's coming to you our rescue? I don't, I don't see it. I don't see where Germany's saying, you know what, let me help you out here. Or, or, or Great Britain, let, let me help you out here. We're, we see that you're struggling. They're not coming to our rescue. So we're in a situation where we have to take care of our own. And we have no business giving our cash our taxpayer dollars to Ukraine. Um, bad people do bad things. They do it here in U.S. They do it across the world. And it's never a good thing. And we cannot be everybody's savior. And right now what we have to do is save our nation. And we are in the brink of destruction. If you don't believe me, look at the economy, look at the value of the dollar, look at the fact that banking is going asunder, lots of banks are closing, and there's a whole economic impact to spending money willy-nilly, and uh, now you're seeing mortgage prices going up, people can't afford mortgages, 7%, that doesn't, it's been much higher, but when we've been at 2 and 3%, which is a reasonable number, 7% is huge, and it cuts down on what we call buying power. So I wanted to reach out to a friend of mine, Robert Bose, to talk about the impact of all of this on our economies, because I think it's really important for us to look at this from the local perspective, because we live locally. We have federal people who do to us. Often, I don't think they're representing their constituents. They're representing their own self-interest, and not all are that way. But if somebody's voting to continue to spend our money willy-nilly, they don't care about you and me. They care about being liked and then reelected. So, Robert, welcome back to the show. It's great to have you with me. Great to be with you, Jen. What are your thoughts on the economy, where we stand now? You know, when you and I chatted last, it was in the springtime and we were looking at various banks going under. Why don't we start there? Have you seen anything since we were together in May about the banking industry that's notable that we should share kind of as an update to folks because it relates to our buying power, the value of the dollar, and our what we'll call liquidity as individuals and as a nation. Well, yes, thank you. So just on the, on the banking side, they, uh, they've been under, their bond portfolios have been underwater uh, because of the Biden uh, war on like war on the economy, basically, and it's for three parts. You know, war, war on energy, high taxation. We've our taxes have gone up, and the spending is through Congress has gone up tremendously. We're running, you know, trillion and a half, two trillion dollar deficits, which are you know pu- pushing up interest rates. So interest rates 
gone have gone up at the fastest pace in our lifetimes, and that has caused the bank bond portfolios to depreciate in value by a half a trillion dollars. Uh, so the the FDIC. Since the last time we talked, the FDIC basically said, well, guess what? Maybe we better mark some of those to market or, you know, it says they're, they're recommending the banks uh, uh, mark more of the, the losses, the unrealized losses to market. What's the net effect on the consumer and on our economy? So um, the bank's, bank's capital is a little lower than it was. Uh, but, but the biggest thing, the interest rates are a lot higher. I mean, the 10-year the, the treasury, which, which is an int- a good benchmark, back in the Trump administration when I was there, it was like 0.9%. Now the 10-year treasury is like 4.3%. So it's more than quadrupled in just three years. And that, that is pushing up credit card rates, car loan rates, um, mortgage rates. So it, it affects people. Right now, people monthly housing costs... And these aren't really captured in the CPI inflation data, but monthly housing costs on average are up $1,000 per month for each each home. Or rents are being pressed up because of this. So that the people are feeling it, not only at the, you know, on inflationary impacts on consumer goods and, you know, groceries. Groceries are ridiculously high now. I just, you know, a lump of, a lump of cheddar cheese, like $13, you know, it, it's crazy. So, um, that that really has had a bad impact on people. But you've got you've got Biden's war on energy. He's up here. Just on well, 9/11, he wasn't in the, the lower 48. He was up in Alaska, canceling leases, oil and gas leases. There was two big uh, pipelines in in the Northern Plains that were canceled the same day. So you have Joe Biden basically harming U.S. domestic energy production, but he's taking money. From, from our tax dollars here to prop up uh, overseas uh, energy operations, including in Ukraine, Kazakhstan. He gives $6 billion to Iran for three people. They're partly American. Let's talk about that. First of all, it's noted around the Treasury, and we're feeling it every day, right? Our ability, our, that's our buying power, right? It cuts into our ability to do all sorts of purchases from cars to homes to even expanding businesses. So that's huge. But the fact that he's placing his, our tax dollar resources, like he's the banker of U.S. and he has the right to cut the checks as he wishes to Ukraine and to Iran and these, and, and making money out of China. I mean, it feels like our country is for sale and Biden is the proprietor of all things U.S. Am I off base here? No, he, he is plundering our treasury. Our costs are up 25 percent in two years. So people now have to work three more months, three more months out of the year than under Trump to pay for the taxes, the inflation, um, that that was not around back then. The interest rates, the housing costs, it's it's twenty for, for average people, it's twenty five percent more cost per year. Um, and their 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 disposable income is getting hammered. But now you have continued request ne- ne- the, here in Washington next week. This uh, this guy, this comedian from Ukraine, Zelensky, is going to come and 
and uh, shill for more money, billions and billions of dollars in Ukraine. That, I cannot, I can I tell you, that is tied to energy. That is tied to the charisma and the oil and gas development that we see in bribery payments coming back to the Biden family. They're related. And why, why again, Joe Biden this week is saying, we need to build a Trans-Africa railway. Well, who's that going to benefit? It's not, certainly not for our benefit. That's for China's benefit, because they're raping the minerals out of Africa. Um, we have to totally look at our, our global financial situation. You have, you have our, our international um, monetary institutions, IMF, World Bank, that are basically sucking money out of the U.S., just like when President, if you remember, when President Trump came in and said, listen, the NATO, he said, they're not paying their fair share. Well, we have the same exact problem with World Bank, IMF, and, and all that. We need to basically drain that swamp right now. There's so much money. And, and when the, these developing countries around the world want money, they're getting money from mostly United States, and it's helping other countries as a beneficiary. So when Argentina wants to you know, develop, to, to get a bailout, to keep its natural resources going, guess where those natural resources are going? To China. So our... We are totally messed up. Either our, most of the members of our Congress just don't know about this, or they're taking money. You know, they, they benefit from industry and donations to them that basically just sit, sit on their hands. They need to get with it. And Congress in particular, I want to jump to this. The debt and the spending situation is another big mess. That's, that's driving up the uh, interest rates and the cost for people. There's so much in what you said. And I think what I'd like to do, Robert, is have you back next week because I'd like to do a whole show with you on, on some of these matters because we have to keep digging in and we have to raise awareness and put, frankly, public pressure from the constituency to the leadership, and I don't really care if they're Democrats and Republicans anymore, I could care less. And here's the thing, I'm calling on Speaker McCarthy to stand up against the bureaucracy and the wheelers and dealers and the people who want a little of this and a little of that for this and that and this and that and, and get just step back and take control of this situation and take control of the people who would otherwise sell us out like I'm going to say it McConnell you know when it when this thing you know has to be in front of McConnell how how is he going to vote given his wife makes a ton of money and is related to China and the CCP yeah shipping so made, shipping's their big industry Chinese shipping yep. they've made a ton of money in that he's mm-hmm. worth multi multi millions and it's not by accident. It's by strategy and design. And it's disgusting. They've used their place of position and leadership for their own personal gain. And this nonsense needs to stop. So the Congress people right now who are not on board with the Freedom Caucus need to get with it. The Freedom Caucus represents all of us. Make no mistake, it's not about representing a conservative voice. They are conservatives, but they represent Americans who care about our country and our sovereignty. So that, to me, is there's a bunch of Democrats out there that need that message because they care. Scott Perry is very reasonable in his in in representing the Freedom Caucus. There's nothing radical about going back to spending from two years ago. 2021 spending was still 
massively higher than before. Did you know that when I when I was at HUD, president appointed me at HUD, we our budget was twenty eight billion at HUD, just one agency. Guess what it is this year? It's a hundred and seventy five billion. It's gone up six plus times. In and what how many years? Since twenty seventeen. So we're talking about seven years, it's gone up a hundred and 130 or 40 billion, That's 146 insane. billion. And, and, it, and I looked at, look at the other major agencies, State Department tripled, HHS doubled. You go through the, the line item of these big agencies, transportation up three or four times, five or six agencies are up three times what they were seven years ago. It popped up because of these uh, massive bailouts and COVID and all that. But those, th those days are over now. We don't need those. We need to actually go back beyond what Freedom Caucus is talking about. We need to cut back to 2016 spending levels. So I think what, what Scott Perry is offering is very reasonable. There's nothing radical about it. And it just, just slowed the trajectory. Our debt is going to kill us. Uh, we have at, at interest rates right now, we're on a path to 50 trillion in debt at 5% interest. That's two and a half trillion just in interest. That was more than the entire federal budget 20 years ago. Interest is going to be, it's it was close to being the number one. Medicare is number one right now, but interest is second. Defense is third. The so interest is now, in another year, interest is going to be equal to everything with uh, with Medicare. So it's it's a time bomb right now. We have to do something about it. Congress has to step up, and thank you for pressuring them. Absolutely. So here's what I'd like to do. I'm going to have Robert back next week. Everybody, what you have to understand is Soros and the One World Order and Klaus Schwab, their words, not mine, you know, that they want One World Order. If you want to create that, what do you have to do first? You have to crush us. We are in the way for them to accomplish that objective. When you look at what Soros did, and, I, and Robert, I want us to talk about this next week, to the, the other countries, and there are countries where Soros is banned, in Greece, he destroyed them. He has been involved in the destruction of nations. For profit. profit. Yeah, He's to hammer their currencies, it. right? Mm -hmm. Right. He has no interest in seeing us survive. He has no interest in seeing you thrive. And we, the people, have to step up and talk about it. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to the Jen Charlton Show. I'd like to thank our sponsors, Sweeties on the Creek, we're scooping now, and the U.S. Flag Service. If you want a great flag, great quality that will fly long for freedom, buy from usflagservice.com. This is Jen with the Jen Charlton Show, and it's great to have you all here today. We have quite a bit going on, as we always do in our swampy swamp of Washington, D.C., and what's coming at us next is this notion of a shutdown of the government, potentially September 30th, if indeed they cannot agree on how to handle the budget. You know, it was interesting. I, I posted on Facebook, they have maxed out their U.S. taxpayers' credit card. We are now looking at a possible shutdown of the government because they don't know how to manage their money more accurately, they don't know how to manage our money, and they have overspent us, and they're about to send us into oblivion if they don't cut it out. So it's a tricky subject, right? How do you manage budget 
so that you're paying for the essentials. You're paying for the essentials, but you're not penalizing the innocent and the, and the downtrodden. I'm thinking of veterans. I'm thinking of human services. I'm thinking of all the needs of the people. Okay. And by the way, in a government shutdown, they also stopped paying the government employees and that's not cool. And the government contractors, well, a lot of them have a lot of money anyway, so they can probably wait. But when you look at the, the ramifications of this government shutdown, it's far and vast. It's not only at the federal level, but it's at the state level and it's at the local municipality level. So I reached out to a dear friend of mine to get his perspective on how he sees this could affect his constituents and frankly, all Americans, because if you live in Pennsylvania or you live in Arkansas, we all face many of the same issues. So welcome back to the show, Senator Doug Mastriano from Pennsylvania. And Doug, it's great to have you here with me. And I, I just really value your opinion about how to manage through this, because why is it a party issue to not send our money to Ukraine and take care of our own bills? I mean, that's crazy. It's like saying I should give, you know, 50 or 75% of my money away and not pay my own bills if I'm managing my household or whatever. So what are, what are your thoughts on this imminent government shutdown? I mean, I kind of think Maybe it just needs to happen and let's get it over with because it's never going to get easier and they keep increasing our debt beyond comprehension. And we saw the damage done to our economy with Bush, a Republican president. He was he was spending last term like a drunk sailor. I mean, bailing out the car industries and, and, and all that. And uh, we've reached a, a breaking point where it's just not sustainable. It, it hasn't been sustainable. I think really the turning point was COVID when the federal and state governments started throwing money around, you know, incentivizing, trying to keep people afloat and what have you for a shutdown and a crisis they created and manufactured. And so we can't do it all. We, we don't have 200 extra billion dollars to send, you know, to Europe uh, for a war, which end, you know, is about it looks a little iffy uh, when we have a disaster in Maui, Hawaii. And the government is going to throw chump change at people in real need that lost their houses and families. We don't even have a solid number on the number of kids and others that are still missing, whether they're dead or not. But yet we can we can dig up two hundred billion dollars, you know, for Ukraine. The, the money that was squandered in our in our wars of a war of choice in Iraq uh, and then the war we had to do in Afghanistan, but then doing nation building one trillion one trillion dollars later. Uh, this is all coming home to roost now. So I think the way ahead, Jen, is that I think our, our friends in Congress and Senate need to do uh, line items. No more omnibus budgets where everybody gets their bones, everybody gets their little pork barrow projects for their districts. I think it's line by line. So the, the shutdown is going to happen. Uh, let's protect our veterans, our, our active duty for uh, folks. So, you know, George Bush, uh, his first term, I was in the Army under Reagan and, and uh, both Bushes. Uh, the you know our Daddy Bush made a promise no new taxes. Uh, the Democrats in the House shut the government down and got him to, to break that promise, which cost him the election in '92. Um, but but the, those people suffering, whereas my wife and I, you know, stationed in Germany during the Cold War, there there was a month we didn't get a paycheck, and you know we we were brand new, we were newlyweds, we you know we had college bills. And so let's not let that happen. I agree with you. So protect the elderly, you know, those on Medicaid and, and, and you know, that need the money. Um, but then let's go after these, these foreign wars, these foreign projects. Let's just cut those off until we can figure out a way to balance the budget. 
I really appreciate your perspective as somebody who served. That's fascinating. What do you see will be the impact on the local level? So as a state senator, how does, you know, it all trickles down. So what do you suggest in terms of managing through it? Because whether it's Pennsylvania or it's Maryland or wherever, we're all going to have those same issues because we're relying on federal dollars in many cases to get the jobs done because not every all the budget comes at the state level from from state taxes. A lot of it's federal. So what do you suggest there? So again, what I don't want to see is that uh, federal employees or federal retirees, you know, military veterans getting their VA checks because of injuries, service-related injuries, uh, they need to get paid. And so I'm, I'm pleading with uh, the Congress and the Senate in Washington, D.C., to do line items to, to fund veterans, active duty military and their families, uh, you know, a hospital, real needs for real Americans, that needs to be funded. Um, you know, the other stuff, though, I mean, that's open for debate. You know, wh one thing under Newt Gingrich, when we, there was a similar shutdown, uh, back in the 96, I think it was, um, you know, so they shut down the, the, the national parks and the media came running in there and, you know, these, this poor family had saved their life, you know, their life savings for this one trip and, you know, Yosemite park is closed now. I mean, that, that's, that's bad. It's inconvenient and all that, but let's take care of those that really have needs first and work our way down to this other stuff. And I, I would say that the first stoppage needs to be foreign aid. I mean, I mean, I got it, you know, Israel and others need need our assistance because it's surrounded by enemies. I'm not. I am not an isolationist, you know, in in any extent. But my view is we need to take care of our own people first. And America will no longer be a, a powerhouse economically or militarily if we can't afford what we're doing. And so we need to take a step back and say, okay, it, is this something that we need to be investing money in? You know, it, do we need to be investing 80 million or, or more a year in Pakistan? But let's have that debate in the public forum and get our priorities straight. Let's first shut down that border. We have fentanyl coming across. So we, in the southeastern part of the state, we had an illegal from Brazil, a murderer from Brazil. And there was a warrant out for his arrest in Brazil. He fled to America and then, you know, savagely butchered his girlfriend in front of uh, his girlfriend's kids. And then, you know, he, he caused terror in the southeastern part of the state here for about 10 days. And it took the border police and a border dog to track this guy down. So what does that mean, Maryland and Pennsylvania and Virginia? It means that we're all border states. So let's let's take care of our own house first. Yeah, brilliant. And that was terrifying you know, I'm sure for the people in the area where they just didn't know, you know, what to do, you, you know, you live in fear. That's not America, but it's become us. And, you know, I, I look at it as like, okay, I want a refund. You know, what's the invest, what's yeah. the, you know, I definitely want a refund, but you look <laughs> at Ukraine, right? You know, what's, what's the return on investment for the U.S. taxpayer? You know, are we looking at this like a business? And that's why I think so many people aligned with Trump and more and more are every day because we say, if you run it like a business, not a nonprofit, and it's not our job to care for everybody else before our own, we have to stop the madness. And one of the, one of the things I had said is enough is enough, you know, really enough is enough. So, you know, I really just appreciate your perspective.
Doug Mastriano, thank you so much for all you do, not only for Pennsylvanians, but you are a voice for all Americans. And thank you so much for your service and your continued service as you are that voice for reason. What is one action you can take or what do you suggest people do? How can people stop the madness? Do we reach out to our Congress people? How do we make sure that the message goes beyond the Freedom Caucus to every American, every congressional representative, whether they're a Democrat, Republican, or an independent? We have to get the message out from the people to the leaders, enough is enough. First thing is reach out to your congressman, whoever it is, Democrat or Republican. Let them know that we need to rein in spending. Second off, reach off to Fetterman's office, your U.S. Senator, and Casey, your other U.S. Senator in Pennsylvania. Same thing in Maryland and other states. Reach out to your congressman and then your federal senators and tell them to stop the madness, rein in spending, and put America first. Thanks for having me on, Jen. All right. Thank you, Doug. Have an awesome day. We'll talk again soon. Thank you. Bye-bye. It's wonderful to have back with us Representative Scott Perry who was with the 4th Congressional District in Pennsylvania, but they redistrict you to 10th Congressional District. But nevertheless, you are a great voice, not only for Pennsylvanians, but for all Americans who are America first, who believe in running a conservative government. I'm into small government, and I noticed that was on your website. You know, it's gotten so behemoth that they're out of control, and thus we're dealing with some of these budget issues that are facing us right now. So we have an impending government shutdown. Personally, I'm kind of thinking maybe we just need to go through the pain of it so that we can get through this and people can start to understand that we got to rein in the spending. You're a member of the Freedom Caucus and you all did a a press conference. You're the chair of the Freedom Caucus. So I thank you so much for your leadership in in that organization. First things first, why is the Freedom Caucus important? The Freedom Caucus's mission and role is to stand up for the millions upon millions of Americans who feel that Washington doesn't represent them or their viewpoints and has generally left them behind. So in a nutshell, we actually do in Washington, D.C., what we said we were going to do when we asked you for, our, for your vote. That's, that's who we are, and that's our mission, and that's what we do. You know what I call that authentic leadership? Well, um, it shouldn't be hard, I will tell you. I don't think this should be hard. Uh, it seems to me that this is what everyone should do. Uh, Republicans generally, I think, if you listen to our campaign messages, we're generally on the same page with some subtleties and maybe some different, some small differences. But when you get to Washington, D.C., my goodness, does it change. And the folks that you thought were coming to help save the republic can't seem to find a way to vote in favor of things that will do that. And, and all they can seem to do, the only thing that really seems to get agreement, bipartisan or otherwise, in Washington, D.C., is spending more of your money and doing absolutely nothing to rein in the government's uh, out-of-control reach into your personal life and your personal decisions. Well, I think we call that wanting to look good. They want to they be liked. They want to, really, they want to get reelected. So if you give people stuff, then you're guaranteeing yourself another, you know, four years or two years or whatever the length of term is. One of the things I want to bring up is, and it seems that there's an there's something at odds in the Republican leadership. And I don't think this issue can be re- restricted to Republicans because we have to have buy-in across the aisle to make sure that they understand we have to restrict 
funding Ukraine, for example, and instead of Ukraine, let's take care of our veterans and our elderly and our people in need who don't have enough food or can't pay their gas bills right now because of the out-of-control economy. So how are you reconciling this with Kevin McCarthy as Speaker of the House? Are you in concert or are you at odds? Well, sometimes we're in concert and sometimes we're at odds. Right now, we are working with uh, what we affectionately call the moderates on our party. The Freedom Caucus is working with them to try and find a solution to the impasse that we're currently in. We have spent uh, almost all summer, uh, well, we literally have spent all summer, uh, you know, waiting for the solution from leadership, but it just hasn't come. And so we've taken it upon ourselves to try and hammer out the solution ourselves before the end of the funding deadline. I think we're very close. I will tell you, it's not something that I would lead with if I could. Uh, and I don't think it's something that the moderates are necessarily in love with. We, uh, but we understand the circumstance. And, and one of the factors in that circumstance is the, is the waning time available to come to an agreement. And, and that's part of the equation, unfortunately. Neither side of this is responsible for the, um, for the time lost, but we are in this position, we are in this situation now, and we are working very diligently to, uh, to find a solution before the time is up. Well, we hear it, you know, slow walking. If you slow walk it, they put you in this position where you've got to make a bad decision because you're limited yeah. on time. I mean, that's, that's so irresponsible. You could even maybe call it criminal if they're not yet adhering to their oath of office. They're not doing what they're supposed to do in a timely fashion to ensure that we get the results we need. So I, I get very frustrated when I hear about time constraint and not on you, but on the fact that there have been people who have been irresponsible in not planning ahead to ensure we get the outcome we need in a, in a time frame that, that we don't end up having to shut down. It's no surprise September 30th was coming. It was no surprise in April. It's no surprise on September 15th that September 30th is going to come. The end of the fiscal year is going to happen. Uh, and, and you're right. Uh, we have been pushed to a new corner, whether it's by incompetence, by design, what have you. Um, and, and we're going to have to deal with that issue on its own. But in the meantime, what we're facing is a bad outcome or a worse outcome. And the worse outcome is exponentially worse. Even the senators who agreed back on Memorial Day to increase the debt ceiling to an unlimited amount and, and spend that money, they can't, even, they can't even maintain the agreement that they had on spending, which was much higher than people like me wanted which is why I did not vote for that deal. It was a bad deal. And, I, and, and, and since that time, we've spent over a trillion and a half dollars just since uh, Memorial Day because of that deal. Um, but even at that, they're not even honoring that commitment that they made and want to spend billions and billions, hundreds of billions more on top of that yet. It's insane. You know, one of the things I said, the U.S. taxpayer's credit card is maxed out. Right. It's maxed out. You know, if I go to the store and I keep spending, 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 at some point they say, you know, you're done. <laughs> You've been yeah. cut off. You know, and I may go through my withdrawals because I can't find my whatevers. But if I, at some point, you have to get to the end. And I, I think we're there. And so I, do you think that we will get, you said a bad deal or worse, yeah. How do we get the right deal? And I think that part of it is the Democrats 
that are voters, not the Democrats who are leaders, but the Democrats who are voters need to get on the horn with their congresspeople and say, you know what, I don't support you continuing to spend our money frivolously. So I think that there's got to be a reaching across the aisle. Do you see any possibility of getting... I would love love to see a reaching across the aisle, but I will tell you it's been my experience that the Democrats and the left generally always win these shutdowns. Well, I wouldn't say they always win them. They never have the problem because they're always interested and willing in spending more money. It's not a problem for them to spend more money, so they don't have this issue. It's only Republicans, but quite honestly, it's only certain Republicans, and that's why we have the problem. You have folks like me who have said, we can't sustain what we were told earlier in the year. We were going to have a $1.5 trillion deficit, so we're going to take in uh, you know, $5 trillion in revenue, and we're going to spend six and a half. But that hasn't even happened. Now we're over a $2 trillion deficit, and it's folks on my side of the aisle. It's Republicans that want to spend more money, and I can't convince them to spend less, and they won't agree with me to spend less. They want to spend more. I want to spend less. There goes the impasse. So what's the, what is the justification for sending money to Ukraine while we're in this predicament? I would say that their justification is if we don't send money to Ukraine, that Russia will subsume and overtake Ukraine, win that war, and Ukraine will no longer exist, and that we have an obligation to do that. I will tell you that as much as I find what Russia has done in Ukraine abhorrent, I don't agree with Vladimir Putin's actions whatsoever. We all want to help, but the only way we can help is if we're financially stable, if if our economy is strong. We are borrowing every single cent that I'm talking about right now to pay for Ukraine and all these other bills. That's all borrowed money. Uh, When you're borrowing money, that's not the time to be as charitable as you'd like to be. You got to pay your bills first before you can pay the other folks. You know, the sign or the briefing on the airplane is put your mask on first so that you can keep breathing And you don't black out before you put your child's mask on, because if you're spending all the time putting your child's mask on and fumble through that, both of you are going to stop breathing. That's not the answer. So we got to get our economy in shape and we got to take care of our folks first. With all due respect to the plight of the people from Ukraine, I'm a United States representative, not a European Union, not a NATO representative, and certainly not a Ukrainian representative. The folks I represent can't pay their gas bills, their electricity bills, or their food bills based on the runaway inflation that is occurring. And it's all stemming from this continued printing, creating money that doesn't exist and spending it like there's no tomorrow and borrowing it all to do so. We simply don't have the money to do these things as much as we'd like to. So one of the one of the gentlemen in the Freedom Caucus mentioned we we need they're requesting a clean CR. What's the option? A dirty one? What do they mean by a clean CR? Continuing resolution is we have an impasse. We haven't decided how we're going to fund the government, but the government needs to keep staying open. So we're going to agree to keep spending at the current levels. That's a clean CR. So you get the current levels and you get the current policy. Keep in mind The current levels are the levels that every single Republican voted against in December under Nancy Pelosi. And the current policy that exists are all the policies that Joe Biden, Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi put into place uh, during the Biden presidency when she was the speaker and he was the Senate leader. 
No Republican should be voting to continue these things. But that's a, that's a clean continuing resolution. It just continues all of that. Why would any of us vote for that? Okay. So when you look at the power of the purse, you have the power of the purse. How do, how do you get 218 votes is what you need, correct? Yes. To, do, to do what you want to do, to take control over the spending, stop the insanity, and take care of U.S. citizens, not Ukrainians, because that's not our purview, and to, to quit nation building and start re, reconstituting our own. How do you get to 218 with a resolution that, or with a, with a bill that allows us to rein in the spending? Well, it's really difficult for the chairman of the Freedom Caucus to get to 218, but it's much more, uh, I would say, operative. It's, uh, maybe I will use the term easier. It's easier for the Speaker of the House to do it, which is why the Speaker of the House needs to put, apart, put aside his personal goals, his personal wishes regarding spending, and quite honestly, the personal wishes of some of the members that want to continue this unbridled spending and say to them, for the sake of saving the republic and getting our fiscal house in order, on a few occasions, I need you to be uh, to, to, to have a, a will to do a moderate cut in spending, a, a moderate saving. And when I tell you, um, all we're looking to do is go back to nine months before December of last year and spend at that level. That's all we've asked for. It is a very modest cut. Um, and, uh, you know, you got to remember that during the pandemic, during this COVID pandemic, this spending went up 40 percent, sometimes 50 percent. All we're asking is to go back. There's no pandemic occurring. There's no war that the United States needs to be engaged in. We're not at war with anybody right now. Why are we spending like there's a pandemic or there's a war occurring? And what will we do if a pandemic or a war does occur? If we're spending at this rate now, how will we be able to afford it then? So this is a very moderate request, and our colleagues will, will not do it unless the speaker demands it of them. I can demand it as much as I want. They don't listen to me. They will listen to him. Okay, great. So I believe in naming names and, and, and uh, bringing to account people who are, are, are putting us in this position. Who are some of those key people we need to change the minds and hearts of so that that regardless of what, look, speaker, the speaker of the house still serves the people. He doesn't right. serve himself. Maybe he's lost sight of that. And, you know, I'm sorry, I'm not here to make friends and influence people. I'm here to make a difference. And so I really don't care whether he's offended. But what I do care about is that we reach the people we need to reach to change their hearts and minds. Who are some of the key people who, who, are, who are not coming on board with us that we need to change their heart? I would say anybody, there's a, there's a large number of members on the Appropriations Committee that write these bills uh, that seem to have less of an interest in cutting spending. But I will tell you, the list is actually very long. It's much longer than you might want to believe or imagine. Uh, it might be half of the Republican conference that is unwilling uh, to, to have a moderate uh, tra trajectory change in spending. Just listen to the, your member of Congress, and and if your representative isn't enumerating what they would, where they would put savings, we asked for 115 billion dollars in savings, which would take us back to pre-COVID level spending for listen to this non-defense discretionary. So non-defense. Um, so we're saying we need to continue to support defense. 
uh, and sometimes that's an increase for inflation. We agree with that. But for non-defense discretionary, the things we have discretionary uh, uh, discretion over, so not Social Security, not Medicare, not uh, Medicaid, not those programs, but for things like the, oh, I don't know, the Department of Justice, the Department of Homeland Security, who's neither one of those are doing their jobs. Why would we give them more money? And so we've said we want to take them back to pre-pandemic time spending to get us in line with the five trillion dollars that's incoming. Our, our coll- and it won't. And by the way, that won't even get us in line with uh, with the spending at, uh, or the income, uh, the revenue, not income at five trillion dollars. That'll still have us over a trillion and a half dollars away and more. But they won't even countenance that kind of savings. And so we need these folks, our appropriators and our folks that are going out saying we need this additional money. We need these programs to understand the American taxpayer's wallet is tapped out. We don't have any more money and we cannot keep borrowing to pay these bills. You know, it's it's great to talk to you and I really appreciate your time. And I and I think that all the people here are of the like, like mind that we're willing to sacrifice for the greater good. You know, where can we help others? How can we help our nation make it? And I don't think we're going to, we are unsustainable. And at this point, if people are unwilling to do what it's going to take to rein in the spending, then you really can't, the, as the economy continues to decline and more people are in poverty, you kind of have to reconcile that the reasons for that are just these kinds of things. If you keep the spending where it is, you're unable to sustain an economy that was three, four years ago, six years ago, under Trump thriving. Thriving. So, That's exactly so, right. So what I yeah. think you can do is, yeah, I think you have to connect the dots for a lot of people. They just, they hear a person like me and it's, you're just complaining about the other side or whatever, and you all do the same things, right? But you have to connect the dots that the spending at the federal level, this this uh, this printing of money, this creation of money that doesn't exist, this continued unbridled borrowing has, a, has an effect on them. And the effect on them is the rising gas prices, food prices, electricity prices. Heaven forbid you have to buy a new car or a new home. You simply can't afford it. That's the effect of these things. And so if your member, if they're a Democrat or a Republican or anywhere in between, needs to get a phone call from you and you need to ask exactly what are they willing to do? What have they been willing to do to trim this spending at the federal level? And if they can't come up with the exact number, and I'm going to give you my number, I'm just asking for $115 billion. Cut $115 billion out of a $7 trillion spend. It's, it's, uh, it's a blink of an eye. Uh, that's what I'm willing to cut. I would like to cut a lot more. I can't convince my colleagues, left, right, or center, to do that. But I think that's what people have to understand, that what happens in Washington affects their wallets, and their phone calls to their representatives can also affect their wallets. But if, but if the representatives only hear, well, I need my program. I need this money. I need, you know, the, the, the auto workers are on strike because they can't, uh, they, their paychecks aren't keeping up with inflation. Understand they're not asking for refl- inflation to be reduced so their paychecks can keep up. They're asking for more money to, to buy things at a higher price. They, you know, we, we should all be asking for, for less inflation, for less to higher costs, so that your neighbor doesn't have to pay more for a car, because that's what's going to happen. 
all the prices are going to go up and it's just going to get worse. We all have to just say, quit spending all this money. We don't need all these programs. Ukraine, God bless them. We want to help them. But if you don't have the money to help them because you got to help your own country first, then do that. And my goodness, quit paying for all these programs for all these folks to come across the border illegally. We got a record number again coming through the Darien Gap, coming across the Texas border uh, into the United States of America. That costs billions upon billions of dollars that we don't have. Why would we want to pay for that? Oh, you're singing my tune. I want to I want to finish this off with the Department of Justice has been become the Department of Injustice. And when you have a Hunter Biden who's out there running around free, while you have people who went into a building that on J6 sitting in a jail cell or solitary confinement or all the horrors of what they're going through, he can lie on federal documents and not pay the price. But regular Americans are being haunted and hunted down. So something has to give, and I say defund the Department of Justice and everybody in the middle that's in the, involved with that because that is not American and it does not deserve our money. You, you, you're you. singing my tune, sister. I will tell you that right now. That's one of those appropriations bills. We simply cannot give them more money to be weaponized against the citizenry of this country. And, and the money is what makes the difference and to send a signal to them, they deserve a significant cut. They obviously have too much money because it gives them the time for these partisan witch hunts against their political rivals and throwing people in jail unnecessarily, persecuting and prosecuting them. It is unacceptable. It is unconscionable. It's un-American. It must cease now. The only way it's going to cease is to cut their funding. So on a different note, I can't help but ask you since I have you here. So what are your thoughts about impeaching Biden? Well, we're, we're on the right track right now. The impeachment inquiry is the next step because we have run our course on what we can get under the normal measures. But we have this mountain of evidence and it's uh, we need to complete it. We either need to clear Joe Biden's name or continue down the path of increasing this mountain of evidence, which it looks like that's what it's going to be. But they are going to stonewall us. And unfortunately, the agencies that he runs have been stonewalling us all along as well. So I don't want to see any president impeached. And it's unconscionable and almost unimaginable for us to think that the president of the United States would be working more for foreign governments, for his own family and his own personal aggrandizement. But $20 million was paid to the Biden family for something. We still haven't seen a service. We haven't seen a product. Yet the $20 million is in the Biden family's hands. And, and that leads to belief of corruption. It's unacceptable. So we're going to have to get to the bottom of it. And the only way to get to the bottom of it is continue with the impeachment inquiry, continue to gather evidence and see where the facts lead us. Well, it seems like the United States has been for sale, and I think the people are done with it. God bless you, Congressman Perry. Thank God you so you. much. Thank you. All right. Thank Have you, a man. great day. Bye-bye. You too. So long.